Welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about asking what makes a good list item while also trying to not have an existential crisis about games and maybe catch a mouse. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Today we'll be talking about list construction and creating a taxonomy of games that only works part of the time. Purple Yam ice cream is like <laughs> it's seriously purple i like i was expecting it to be kind of not purple or like okay purple in a way that didn't look good okay but it looks really good purple yam i have to say ice cream purple yam ice cream sounds delicious and there's a part of me that's like all purple food is delicious <laughs> like because like look at this look look this is such great audio content but look at these pictures that i have pulled up for you of this ube oh that's that's that is much brighter purple than i would have expected Mm -hmm. i expected it to be like extremely purple no it's like but no that's extremely extremely purple purple yam flavored ice cream it sounds super good and i'm sad that i don't know if i'm gonna be able to find any i i have to say i bet we can figure out a way to yeah, so that's what I was. That's what I was doing. By the way, I like ice cream. <laughs> I like ice cream. And I like talking to people about uh, cafeteria chairs. I think so. of chicha morada, the um, like the Peruvian corn juice, mm. as being purple, but it's it's actually not. The corn is purple. Interesting. But uh, the juices, because I was like, I admittedly my ability to like see colors mm. <laughs> is shaky so it could be that i'm totally wrong but uh that corn is very purple it's but the juice that comes out of it apparently it's less the, so. uh it's delicious chicha morada the purpler the fruit the the purpler the corn the sweeter the fruit the sweeter the juice what's the saying Never mind. Uh, i believe <laughs> let's move on <laughs> um so <laughs> role-playing games <laughs> what this podcast is about yeah the great thing is that we're like We've got this uh, list of topics, these ideas that oh, we're yeah. going to try to get into, and one of them is actually not <laughs> a role-playing game topic. No, but it is. It is. It is. It is. It's it vaguely is, so. It is. So, okay. really quickly, I do want to address that in our last episode, we said we were going to oh. spend some time between episodes uh, making some tables for the, the world we talked about last time, and I will confess, I did not. So we are going to move past that quickly and maybe come back to it in the future and um, hope that nobody notices and said, talk about something else. I, I did a little something on it, but I'll be honest, I have no clue where I put it. <laughs> that is also a classic game design move, though. So, yeah, I it's designed a finished game somewhere. It's like I'm, I'm looking at various different sections of like little notes that I've put together. And um, man, oh man, that uh, what I'm looking for is not in there. <laughs> so okay, but boy so, howdy, I sure did make two or three tables about it. Yeah, I believe you. Um, yeah. I do. Um, so let's. I, I want to talk about two things because we. Oh, it turns we, out you shouldn't have believed me. No. Um, it was uh, it was like a table. It was like a table and maybe a half. Okay, that's yeah. still more than I did. So. All right, that's something. That's something. But I did. Here's what I did. I will talk about this because this is important. Um, small victories 
I am terrible at going through my mail. Um, I like, I just, I pay all my bills online. And so I tend mm-hmm. to just like build up a backlog of like bills and stuff that I've, I've already paid or, do- or things. And I try to grab the important things, but it's a, it's a bad habit I have. Um, but as part of my kind of get my stuff together for uh, the end of the year so that I can kind of go into the new year being more productive, uh, maybe get ahead mm-hmm. on the podcast editing. Maybe actually call it closing out uh, Q4. Yeah, maybe write a game (laughs) for real. Um, So I had to like process and shred basically a year's worth of mail that I had not looked at, um, which has only (laughs) come back to bite me a couple times. Um, Once I think I missed jury duty and that's on me, but uh, they didn't need me. So it was fine. I got real (laughs) lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to move past that because I don't know what the statute of limitations on not showing up for jury duty is. But um, so, yeah, so I processed a whole bunch of mail and that's that's good. I'm feeling I'm feeling better. I'm My room is cleaner. Good. My mail issue is sorted out and I'm feeling more productive. Your um, camera looks great, by the way. I have better lighting. Yeah, you got it set up nicely there. I went and got a haircut for the first time in nine months. It looks nice. Seven months. A long time. I cut my hair uh, approximately twice a week. So this isn't content. No. So tabletop role playing games. Yeah. Let's get back onto content. Um, so this is especially painful for me because the the topic that we want to talk about first is what makes a good list, yes. and the 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 games that have created the best lists are the ones that get right down to the point and skip having tons and tons of just like discussion and fluff around it by getting right to the point with an amazing list okay <laughs> so we're like like long <laughs> intro into topic that is specifically about punching up your game but also <laughs> yeah yeah so what makes a good list and i and i mean that in two ways because like i said before we started recording i mean that in the sort of uh pbta game here's a list of seven looks for your character select one and that's like i kind of get that a little bit more where okay you've got like like i could come up i can come up with five punchy things uh but when you're talking about like with the stuff we were talking about last week where you're building tables and tables of stuff you're talking about having yeah. like maybe hundreds of entries how do you make yeah all of them <laughs> good Oh, for hundreds of entries, you don't. Okay. That is <laughs> something I, I guess I had not taken into account. Into account. Uh, so, like, there are tons and tons of books that are like, here's your 10,000 uh, wild magic rolls. Yeah. And there's, you know, 50, maybe, if you're really lucky, interesting things on there. And the rest are like, your hair turns blue, your hair turns pink, your hair turns purple, your hair turns green. <laughs> yeah. And like, that is a thing that you can do, but that's, I, I can only imagine that's mind-numbingly boring to make. Like, I can't imagine the person writing that 10,000 piece table is going, oh, this next one will really shock them. Your hair turns brown. <laughs> like, that's, there's no fun involved in that, right? And secondly, it doesn't do anything. Like, it doesn't add anything to your game, really, you know? So, 
the thing that I look for when making a list. Am I jumping into it? No, no, definitely. (laughs) The thing I look to in making a list is for every choice to be interesting. Mm -hmm. And if every choice isn't interesting, then it's not worth it to have a list. Uh, Because then you just choose the interesting choice. So, like, let's say... Let's say you're you're writing a um a villain, right? For masks. You could set up some kind of a random number generator that spits out moves. Or you could just write the move, right? And so like having a thing where you're saying, Oh, uh, we have seven hundred options. If those seven hundred options have six interesting things, then your list should be six long. And if you have like if your if your plan is to roll a d6 and you have one interesting option then you shouldn't use a list you should just say and then x happens yeah. you know obviously that gets more complicated if you're doing like a random encounter table and you can only come up with one good idea then i would argue maybe don't have a random encounter table but like the core thing is anytime we're writing materials for someone who's running a game mm-hmm. or even playing in a game the goal is to provide something that sparks something interesting without taking up more time than it would take for them to just come up with the idea. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, it is also there to help make them come up with ideas, too. Because, like, a True. big part of the, the PPTA thing is is pushing them in the right direction to think about things the right way. Because half the times that I've made characters for PPTA games, I've looked at the list of items or I've looked at the list of looks and said, these are all interesting things. Here's the thing that's not on the list that I actually want, but I wouldn't have gotten there by myself. <laughs> I only got there because I was looking at this list of other things that uh, that pushed me in the right genre direction. That's so funny because I legitimately do not know the last time i've looked at a list for a pbta character creation and didn't choose off the list like i am i am that guy that is like yeah i'm playing apocalypse world and i am playing as uh t-bone because t-bone is one of the names on Mm -hmm. here and that's the name i chose yeah i tend to go off list for names and for powers and masks or I go like ninety degrees off from the powers and masks. Like I pick something that's a, a, a like a questionable interpretation of the words. I, I I don't remember if I've gone off book for for powers, but like even in terms of like look, like I'll pull I'll pull right from the look list, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes you have to like I'll you know play with it a little bit to make it work, but. Uh, like for the most part i'm I'm someone who just does just pull from the list hmm interesting i i kind of like vaguely went over this at, at first in terms of like my thinking of why you use the list um but there's like kind of like the, the time saving aspect and then the providing information without a whole lot of additional text so like right now i'm looking at the names for the uh, for the brainer mm-hmm. in Apocalypse World, uh, first edition for some reason. I opened the wrong one, uh, and the names are like some of the names are Pallor, Sin, Charmer, Pity, Brace, or Sundown. And if you were reading D anD D, you would have a section that's like brainers when they have names have names that are nouns 
or descriptions. These are some example <laughs> names, and then yeah, they would list it. But by just sticking it on the paper, you give that idea immediately. And the same is true for things like random encounter tables, um, or like any random event table, mm. right? The GM looks at it, instead of saying, oh, goblins tend to travel in, go like, goblin bandits tend to travel in groups of six, they see, okay, D6, D6 goblins is on the list, like, twice. Cool, I've learned something. And so, like, you, by looking at it, you get an idea of what is in the world and how the world kind of interacts with stuff. And so, like, even in terms of, like, if some things are more common on the list and some things are less common, it also tells you something about the world. Yeah. I'm... And there's different ways you can play with that, too, because some people are like, yeah, number 20, that should be your super weird, cool thing. And other people are like me and are like, every option should be fun. Yeah. You shouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So I went to go look for, um, I went to go dig up, it's been a while since I looked at Dark Heresy, the Warhammer game. Because okay. Dark Heresy is a game that I remember having huge tables um, and and doing a pretty good job of making them all really interesting. And so like I, I pulled up a list of of. Uh, God, this 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 <laughs> sorry, this game had a lot of a lot of tables. Um, and one of the things that you would do is roll for mementos that you would bring that you carried okay. on you of, from your home world. And I think that it's a. It's a good example of um of like that give you just a little bit to help describe what the uh what the world is like or what the the setting is like um and cool. like you now because it's a, it is a it is sort of an older school uh thing it does come with a small novel of description about each of those things yeah but if you skip right to this thing just skip right past all of the instructions and say i'm just gonna go make a character from a penal colony well then like you've got like on this list of items you've got a set of juggling balls uh a leather cap a uh a pouch of crumbled masonry uh a uh a broken shiv an orange tunic a cracked guards badge um a broken tattoo needle a leaky flask and those are all like pretty good things like some some of the yeah. demon world things are like a lump of wax a bag of grass clippings um a chunk of rough glass a chip of an obsidian horn um i like it says there's one of them is a vial of blood and in parentheses not yours <laughs> that's excellent um, iron shackles that have been and then bent you just, open then you just turn over to the uh to the whose blood is yeah, this yeah, table yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and so I hadn't I hadn't thought about thinking about lists as so I think I think I go into making lists as as thinking about them as things that need to be evocative to push you towards the genre. But I don't I think yeah. I hadn't thought of there is so I guess there is like because I'm thinking about lists as mostly the um in the sort of like on the face literal usage where you are going to roll on the list to get a thing that will be on your character sheet that tells you how to play them in the genre of the world um, and is yeah. evocative to that end. But I think that there is another purpose to lists, which is kind of what you were saying of like, the other use case is when I, James, the player, am reading through the list to instruct me about the world. And so there's like a story yeah. the list tells as a list. 
which is interesting. Yeah, and like this is I I was uh earlier today I was looking at the Black Hack second edition, which has just become like a weirdly frequent behavior of mine. <laughs> I won't include any of this that just happened in the recording, but Brandon just ran off and left me here. Everything is fine. They have a mouse in their house, and he is catching it. So when I'm not chasing mice, uh, inexplicably, I'm constantly reading the Black Hack 2nd Edition again. And, like, I I haven't actually read every line of it or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I'm just, like, I kind of, it's 126 pages. uh, And it's, like, really dense material. Yeah. So I haven't read everything, but, like, you can pull out some really interesting things, like, they have a procedural poison system that uh, you have, you can roll a d12 to get an effect of some kind. They're interesting effects. You have a uh, unnumbered table of name prefixes, an unnumbered table of name suffixes, how to prepare it, and a numbered table of antidotes. And so you can go like, Oh, this is the sleeping fire, which you prepare it by boiling uh, this thing in gold, and it is cured by using, because you have have to be buried alive for it to be cured. Of course. Yeah. And that is just like choosing randomly off the list, right? Hmm. And But that is like interesting because it gives you a thing that exists in the world that is a new thing that is just procedurally generated, right? So now you know, anytime we need to, we can pull that, uh, I don't remember what I said now, uh, the sleeping fire out, we can use it further. We know what we can do as players to make it if we would like to. And we have a cool plot line that we need to figure out a way to break into the graveyard and bury one of our friends. And so like that <laughs> makes not just yeah. like a cool, mo- like it, it makes like a cool moment and it gives you something to pursue. I like that it it has an action associated with it. Yeah. Um. And like, obviously, not every table needs to be this densely good. Mm-hmm. But like, it has be magically frozen, have pollen from another plane, a swim in the holiest river. Like, nothing on here is boring. Like, yeah. The easiest thing on this list is um. Maybe bathing in an elven river. Uh, Where is this list? It's uh, page 40. Uh, 41 if you're looking at the PDF. Um, But like nothing on this list is something that you just casually go, oh, I use my antidote and the game goes, and I am healed. And no longer taking damage while I walk. (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't get to, to that page, but scrolling backwards through the book, on page 49, is a list of activities that NPCs can be doing when you run into them. And on the list is drunken axe juggling, being lowered into a well. Yeah. Writing hilarious but outrageously rude graffiti. And, like, that is so much better than, like, Turning sitting. butter. Making, sitting, yeah, exactly. Like, sharpening most, their sword. Yeah, because, like, and so the idea should be that uh, that you find something that you wouldn't have thought of previously. 
And so, and a lot of these are like very strong story hooks. Like this person is on a uh, this one like this on a now chemical drug trip, yeah, or summoning a demon, or being hunted by void bats. Like those are all things that need solutions, and they're things that tell you more about the world. Like if you take a role and you get uh, let's see, uh. I I keep I'm like hitting generate number and getting stuff that uh that wouldn't cause that wouldn't cause major world changes but uh engaging in paramilitary reconnaissance like congratulations you just introduced an entire faction to your game yeah yeah and that's so much better hiding than hiding from street crime yeah so now we know okay we should talk about street crime in like a legitimate way Returning from a useless war, like that's so oh, good. God, now that's you've so got good. also that's an entire also, that's an entire s- campaign. Selling, and right next to returning from a useless war, selling old rope to simpletons. <laughs> it's like why, it, why? Like what is this? And so it does make a thing that it just it produces content that you wouldn't have come up with on your own playing the game, right? Just like. Yeah. Like, maybe you would have come up with something, but, like, how many times do you need to say what someone is doing? Like, oh, we're going to go find this person. And how many times is it just, uh, oh, we're going to go find, we're going to go find the, the armorer. What's he doing? He's making yeah. armor. So a good, uh, so a good list thing is not just something that is evocative. It's something that, in a whole on the list, is is also instructive of the world but it's also uh it drives a plot point or it'll dr- it drives a potential plot point it, it invents pieces of the world for you to add to your world yeah to push you towards not just the setting but a specific story exactly because like otherwise why are why are we rolling yeah you know like what's the point otherwise um and like there's there's some stuff in it that's like a settlement generator how big yeah. is your city which who cares i guess <laughs> you know <laughs> got to have something if you want to be doing that i but i guess that's less about making something that's necessarily interesting and more about making something so that there's content there it still yeah. is taking it still is taking cognitive load off of the person running the game in all likelihood. And even like this hex feature thing, which is just designed to like build a map for the world to take place in, has things like the broken fi- flying pirate ship or the shattered magic mirror yeah. or the place where the the hedonistic pleasure cult hangs out or the the dormant evil doomsday cult lives. Yeah. Um, and like, f- like that's probably like could you come up with it on your own? Yeah. But it helps. But it helps. It just, like, you know, makes things a little bit easier. Uh, Now, there are some people that have disagreements about that. Uh, There are some people that structure their uh, tables in very specific ways. I've seen some people say that the best outcome for the players should be a 20, and the worst outcome for the players should be a 1, if you're doing a 20-sided table, you know. Why? Roll high, roll low. (laughs) I don't know. I guess they're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, because usually in that kind of thing, you'd have 
essentially you would have like someone here to help you and that could be an interest that's probably an interesting thing you're one and you're two are probably gonna be super interesting and you're 19 and you're 20 you're gonna get a dragon on your 20 uh and there's nothing yeah, wrong with a dragon that. to help you or a dragon that's to help you the best of all options yeah well then you'd roll on the disposition table to see how they feel about you uh but by <laughs> a, a, a dragon who's here to help you but is preoccupied with his snail racing tournament uh, well, he's also uh, polite and courteous, though, so he is going to help you. Um, I, I also, I just want to say, in addition to tables, I love this drop table thing. The drop ta- drop tables are weird and cool. It was, it Which was not a thing at? that like I was even aware of until yeah. I started reading the Black Hack, and then it's like, what? It's like, this is a list of, like, for how to select where, like, what buildings are in your town. Uh, it's like a, it's just like a map of buildings crammed together, and it's like throw some D4s onto this this piece of paper, and wherever they land, like those are the buildings that you're gonna put in the town. And then what's on the dice tells you something about those buildings. The quality, yeah, that there's, is wild. There's also I love that. Um, page fifty. You're gonna like this even more. It's the what's on the corpse table that you Ooh. roll one D6 oh, yeah. for eight, each health die. Fives and six give you an item. Anything less, it's, it's the amount of coins. It's <laughs> viable nuts. It's um, <laughs> viable nuts. It's number five. It um, is in the it right in the middle of the table. Right in the middle of the table. Viable nuts. It's um, but also like a blurred portrait. That's so cool. That's rad. Yeah. It's also visually interesting. Yeah, I like because it's not just a table. It is like the rest of this this uh. The rest of the sheet of paper is like blood splattered almost. Like it's not it's not really blood splattered, it's just sort of evocative of blood splatter. Yeah. It's good. Now, it's not helpful because it's a PDF, but that's my problem, yeah. not the game designer's problem. Yeah, you could you could print it though. Like Yeah. If if I was playing a one shot, I would definitely print this. If I was yeah. if I was playing a bigger campaign, I would probably just make a regular table of some kind. <laughs> uh, but that's cuz I'm boring. There's like a random map maker. I'm telling you, lists are great. And so like, what's cool about this kind of list and this kind of setup with a lot of roles is that you can generate way more content mm-hmm. than you write down and you can do things at a glance. So like, let's say like most story games, you're not going to be abruptly in a city you don't expect to be in. But if you've decided to have a trad night... Or you've decided to, like, or you have had some kind of weird thing happen that you've flung to a different dimension. You need some new information, whatever. Then you can do this at the table. Yeah. And that's the big advantage of, like, tables. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that they can happen live. Uh, they are not, they don't need, they don't require uh, prep. Yeah. Which is good. But then and that's that where has to happen. And that's where also, side. like, um, a good table, I think that is the difference between a good table and an okay table, is that if I had, like, an okay table, and I was like, oh, dang, I need to roll to determine what's in this room, I forgot to put some loot on this monster, Yeah. Um, and I had an okay table, I might roll a couple times and come away with, like, it's a blue iron longsword. Yeah cool like that's technically a good answer but it's not 
evocative of anything. But if I have yeah. a table that has like good options, then maybe I know like it's a long sword, but we that the players know is owned by a specific noble who's been dead for a while, and like it was cursed or something. Yeah, like that. and like I think having some having some books that are that are resources for that can be really useful. I'm thinking also, uh, what's it called? Table Fables. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Table Fables. A book by Madeline Hale, Table Fables, a collection of tables for the weary game master. That is a resource that is just tons and tons of tables. And like, if you've listened to uh, to All My Fantasy Children, you've heard it in use. And is it really good for, like, sitting down and having some lonely fun? Absolutely. But you also can, at the table, make a couple rolls to just grab some more stuff, you know? Yeah. And I like I like rolling some of that stuff in I like what I like to do in when I'm prepping for games, if I'm GMing something like this. Yeah. And I know that like I am gonna have a chest that's gonna have maybe three things in it, or that the 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 players are gonna randomly run into one of like three objects. I would much rather have ten things and then be able to pick in the moment which of them is the most appropriate story-wise. And yeah. so, like, having a tool that will let me generate 10 or 20 or, like, over-generate to over-prep, stuff like that, so that I can grab it and use it later, use it somewhere else, or be, like, in the moment. Like, because there have been times where I've prepped things and then thought, this is just not working for the the, the tone of the story that, that we ended up telling. So I've had to, like, generate something on the fly, which is fine, but... I like to have it all in advance, which this lets you do more easily than having to like rack my brain for a ton of different things. I have a couple sets of these Rory's story cubes. Mm, yeah. Um, which are they're 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 a different kind of evocative because they're just kind of like sort of ambiguous pictures. Like just looking at this list, there's like an elephant, there's a shield, there's some cogs, there's a snake, there's something that looks like it might be an amoeba. um and you roll them and then you take a couple of them in in uh in either order or whatever and to help you quickly generate like an interesting thing to happen on a voyage and there's also like there are different levels of how evocative those things are like that gives you little uh images to look at but something like the spindle wheel cards Mm. is a similar idea that you draw a card and it says unbroken mold return to tradition a perfect duplicate to replace instead of repair and like that is an evocative thing that you can then take and build something out of so i think i feel like at this point we're now just kind of like talking about things that we like i wonder if um well no so hang on yeah we talked a little bit about like i like the drop tables because they kind of go off in a different direction but I wonder, I was looking at for another topic that we might not actually get to of just talking about board games and stuff. Um, I wonder if having, like taking the Rory Story Cubes concept of little icons to a larger, like to a a further level of, um, I wonder if you used something like uh, Mysterium cards. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and drew one of those to be like, this is what the monster is. It would just give you like a rough drawing of a concept or of like a clown in a cage with three ducks. <laughs> and it's like, that's your monster. 
What does that mean? How does this become a monster? It's all of the evocative with none of the literal. Yeah. I mean, I think you could definitely do that, right? Um, I, I know I've, I've done things where I took, uh, where, where I took magic cards and like basically planned a game session by drawing some magic cards. And like, that is completely, that's completely feasible. And you could even do that live. There was someone, oh God, I, um, I wish I could remember who it was. There was someone on Twitter who was saying one of the best ways to come up with like random spells or encounters or stuff was to, is to, to randomly draw a magic, the gathering card and just look at the, um, the, the text at the, the flavor text at the bottom and that they are almost always like some crazy cool thing yeah. uh, that will tell you a, it, it's a, sort of a, a, a way of, um, Turning something that isn't a table into a table. So I think looking at what is good table design, we can also look a little bit at like what is bad table design. Mm. I think that like moves and like rules, a table design that is nothing happens isn't very good. Um, I mean, like if you are playing something that has random encounter style things and it's like, does a guard go by yes or no i don't know that that's really a a random table you know like i can i can accept that kind of i guess i'd rather have like a sneak roll that maybe gets things happen but like kind of a perfect example because it works in the game because the game is really light and really silly of bad table design is from Kobolds Ate My Baby. Uh, Kobolds Ate My Baby is a like highly beer and pretzel, goof around, have fun kind of game. It's very silly. Um, you are kobolds trying to steal babies. Um, <laughs> but like it has things like, if you pose like Dracula, you're invisible if you're a wizard and stuff like that. But you randomly roll on positive and negative qualities. Basically, uh, advantages and disadvantages. Mm-hmm. And one of the disadvantages that you can roll is angry friends, no negative modifier quality. So just mm. you don't get a flaw. And in this game, it kind of works because it's silly. Yeah. Uh, but in a more serious game, having a role that you're like, oh, I'm going to find an interesting quirk about my character. Nothing is boring. And, oh, I'm going to figure out an interesting quirk about my character. I'm objectively better than all of the other players at the table. (laughs) Is also boring, right? So, like, you want to balance, like, do you need game balance? No. Do you need interest balance? Absolutely. So, if you can look at the thing and say, hey, this role is I get a plus two forever. While all my friends get a plus one forever, that's probably boring. Yeah. Um, is there a space for plus one swords of fantasy hitting stuff? I guess. Sure. But you're so much better off writing tables, like and and just taking tables from online. There's tons of people that put out. There's there's dozens and dozens of dozens of blog posts every day. Of things you can just take and use for free. 
there's no excuse for a bad table. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got abruptly aggro there. I'm trying to... So, talking about tables is what we've been doing for the last <laughs> hour. Um, sorry, I'm trying it to put a, this... This is a long episode because I have to take a quick quick run around. I'm trying to give you a... To give... Um, I'm trying to come into this with a good thought. But, so... There's, like... I, in terms of layers of tables and complexity, there's, yeah. like... There's the... There's just the standard table that's, like... Roll on this to get a thing. It's just a list yeah. of like one to twenty or whatever. And then there's the there is the roll two d six style blades in the dark table where you roll two and one moves you horizontally across the table mm. like a grid, and one moves you down through the rows on the grid, and that gives you something. It gives you more options with only rolling the same number of dice. Affectionately called the d sixty six, yeah, which has I think 32 options. And and then there's the like the chaos option of throw a bunch of D4s <laughs> at this paper um because I've scattered options around it, which is great. And then I think the other like the other way that I would like to see more in games is the um it's not really a list because it's it's skills, not like a, a table options, but the skill matrix from Shinobi Gami like haunts me with how there is <laughs> There is some chaotic genius going on in this table where it's it's a it's a table of all of the skills you can have and they are placed intelligently on this table because how far apart they are from other skills determines how good you are if you are un like so if you have um if you have a riding skill and you need to do medicine, and riding is your closest <laughs> skill to medicine. That sounds like a big jump. How far from medicine it is tells you how difficult it is for you to figure it out. And it's versus not... riding against like driving, yeah, or medicine yeah. and poison, yeah. And so, th like, I and I think that that only works because you're moving between tables. But like, something about like. Like looking at this table for Blades in the Dark of like random looks for people or or uh or professions or rare yeah. items and stuff like that. Like these things are not organized in a way like they're they're alphabetical. <laughs> like these these are literally alphabetical is how they're how they're organized. So like that's not there's no thought placed into how they are. And we were talking about how like people feel strongly that they should be like the good things should be at twenty and the bad things should be at one. I think that they should be arranged in a way that makes a a sense, but I think that that sense should be more to do with like like I guess tables for um I, I think I guess what I'm saying is I think it would be very interesting to have a game where like black like like black hack where you're where you're playing a dungeon diving game but then have characters have like meta abilities that can mess with the the um the like manipulate the the, the machinery of the game oh like like uh you roll with a plus 2 on you roll with a plus 2 on encounter tables or no because i think what i think actually the way that i've come around on this is not with bonuses but more like I have points in a pool 
and you roll on a table and you say, okay, you open this room and you're going to run into five kobolds. And I say, what if it's three kobolds? How many points is that going to cost me to get it from five to three? Or how many points is it going to get me to move it from kobolds to lizards? Or... Like, cause maybe, maybe it's like, maybe I would prefer to fight five lizards over five kobolds versus, uh, or maybe lizards I'm looking, and kobolds might be the same thing. It might be the same thing, <laughs> but like, it would be more expensive for me to move like orcs to kobolds than it would That's from lizards to kobolds. And so I can, I, and so like the game then becomes this like players bartering or maybe even like, I'm- like when we're rolling on the rewards, I don't want a sword. I want a hammer, but I don't yeah. have enough points. So maybe I can get it to uh, a club or I, something. Almost like a like I'm playing as a swashbuckling duelist. And so I'm going to tell you, the GM, tell you that there is a swashbuckling duelist for me to fight. Yeah. Because that will be more interesting and more fun. Which... On the one hand, I'm like, yes, amazing. But, but On the not, other hand, I'm like, but not. Like, but this but the is where I think just do that. I think, it, yeah, that's but that's why I don't think it can be that I'm a swashbuckling duelist, and so I get to say there's going to be a swashbuckler for me to fight. And it's yeah. more like the GM rolls. There's a a, a a fighter, like a sword and shield fighter, who isn't going to want to duel you. And then yeah. I get to say, well, how many points is it worth it to, for me to spend to get this character, this 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 opponent closer to someone who will duel me? That sounds so cool and weird. And I'm into it. You would be looking at such incredibly complicated yeah. tables. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I, but I don't I don't know that it would be that complicated. I don't think that it would be dramatically more complicated than doing this this like the 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 multi like part charts it's just then thinking about where they are and thinking about the costs what if i could also see a thing that you like effect tags on things Mm -hmm. so like if you are if well we're going with all like super fantasy because it's super easy yeah yeah, Um, yeah so like you know uh I I am playing as a wizard, and so I like shooting fireballs. And so I say, hey, I'm going to spend my resource of some kind Mm -hmm. to say that these opponents are wearing flammable armor, not non-flammable armor. It's almost, um, it's almost the, uh... a a more involved version of the Extraordinary Adventures of Baron Munchausen mechanic. Yeah, the drug... That you're like paying in to get a change, yeah, to give yourself an advantage of some kind. But that's not just, interesting. But not just a not just a uh, a narrative thing, but or like not just a freeform thing, but like a hey, let me see that table. I want to move your roll along <laughs> on the table to something that's more either better for me in some way, or easier for me, or harder for me, or like. Uh, That's fascinating because I love I love the other move of we all we all roll up into a into a dungeon room and there's uh and there's five 
like void beat like whatever there's like five monsters there and then i go okay but can i spend three points to make the monster that is that 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 uh that brandon is fighting can i make that one harder (laughs) (laughs) because we are competing and i want him to have to fight a hard a stronger monster you know that actually makes sense as the kind of game it would have to be yeah um because there's plenty of dungeon crawling style games that are like you are kind of competing with your opponent with your other players yeah yeah yeah. that brings in almost a little bit of the the munchkin oh my God. thing too i was i was right about to say it's munchkin but for real but 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 a good game <laughs> yeah it's, it's munchkin if it was a good one instead of a bad game the garbage i might have to write some of this down because this might actually be a game that i want to write so here is this is my black hack hack. Yeah. So well, I was right about to say this might even be a module you can stick on top of another game mm-hmm. that you basically say like you create some tables that are like these directional tables, and you say uh, if you're playing like at the beginning of the game, choose what kind like choose that you have three martial coins right like oh i'm I'm gonna choose three martial coins and one arcane coin and so when we hit a martial table mm-hmm. i can make a decision to spend some martial coins that's interesting i wonder if you couldn't tie that to like classes you could do it you could do it explicitly with classes yeah like i like, the, like I- the the advantage to making it like you could have like a list like basically like a basic menu that's like if you're a fighter, if you're a rogue, whatever, like the common stuff, and then just say, and then in general, <laughs> you get yeah. five at level one. Yeah, I like the idea of like the wizard that specializes in uh, like dungeon mancy or whatever, and like they're the one who can just rearrange rooms. And you like go into the door, and when the GM says there's one door leaving this room, and the and then the wizard is like, actually, there's three. Wait, this could be a skill system too. Yeah. Like you just set up a list of skills and each of those skills has uh connect like associated tables. Yeah. Because so I like, like I like the idea because I am an insane person. I like the idea that the characters know they are doing this. Um and <laughs> And are changing the world around them because they are connected to by the, world the sheer will. Yeah, because they're Neo in the Matrix, and they're warping the world around them. Like, that's is this? Mean. People have been talking like for a week and a half in the Stop Back and Roll Discord about um Isakai. Yeah, it's not. Is that this? Think. It's not it's, this. Okay, it's not this, but it's close. It's not this, but you see where I'm coming from. Yes, I see where you're coming from. Yes. Okay. It, it is it is it could be a you're not playing fantasy characters, you're playing people who are playing a fantasy video game or something like that. Yeah. Oh, you know what I like in tables to have? Words that are almost the same length from each other. Yes, that is also very good. I'm looking at the inhabitant generator on uh sixty five of Black Hack and min- humanoid guild, undead horde, demonic cult, draconic sect. All almost the same length. That is something that the Shinobi Gami skill matrix does not do well. <laughs> because you end up with things like ventriloquism right next to bluff. Oh no. But I will give them this. This game was not written in English. So mm. 
Okay. It was translated that from, from Japanese, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at resources. Divine precognition could be a little bit longer. All of this just continues with this terrible thing that has happened that we've gone from being an indie storytelling podcast <laughs> to just thinking about, but I, thinking about I, dragons. You can be an indie storytelling <laughs> pod. Like, this could be an indie storytelling game. Totally, totally. This is not so far from that. No, it isn't. I'm just, I know. I'm just laughing at myself that I'm, it's lately I've been for some reason destroying any credibility I have in everything I'm known for. I would so, say, you know, I would say this is my, this is my real hot take here. <laughs> there is no difference between traditional gaming and indie gaming. It's all the same. <gasps> James, line, you can't say that kind of line thing. is thinner than people think it is. And it is what it is. You know, I, I think you're honestly right. Um, there is there is a read on the Black Hack that is just, this is a traditional game. There is a read on it that this is an OSR retro clone, that this is very much a storytelling game. Yeah. And all of those terms are vague ideas that were kind of cobbled together in order to show difference from each other mm. that isn't yeah. super OSR. Real as I understand it, is a genre of games that proves that traditional games and storytelling games are not that far apart. Yeah. Because they are people who've said, we would like to tell stories of their games. We just want to do it with some more of the, the classic mechanics and tables and stuff. Yeah. And the fact that it was extremely doable to the point where more than one person wrote a game that was like that just says, hey, look, this is a manufactured distinction that we made up to fight people. I think there are some differences. I have never seen a storytelling game that is 80% tables. You know? <laughs> That's because you haven't read Blades in the Dark <laughs> closely <laughs> enough. Because No, that's not true. Blades in the Dark is like 80% fiction. Oh, uh, that's fair. It's, just it's structured way more like a traditional game than it is like an OSR game. But I don't think that you... Oh my god, is that the difference? What? Is the difference that traditional games are lore than rules than lore? Story games are rules that imply lore and OSR games are just rules? Interesting. Um... And I like I huh. started that statement like almost I start I was initially making a joke but like if I think of like what I think of as trad games they all are formatted like a D&D book. And if I think of like Where what I think rules. of as OSR games it's 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 all formatted the same of like mostly tables and diagrams. Hmm. Lyric games are tough to do. Like, lyric games are a whole other beast that because, like, their structure is so intrinsic to what they are. But, like, a whole lot of indie games have the same exact formatting also. Hmm. Of, like, not having, like, lore sections, you know? <laughs> or having mean... lore sections, it's, like, three pages. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I'm so upset. <laughs> or that 
that indie games put their lore up front. Yeah, kind of, but I think like, but uh, so many, there's also, there's also a differentiation, I guess, between the indie games that are like, here's how you make your own setting, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of PBTA stuff, a lot of Blades and, uh, some Blades and Dark stuff. Not Blades and Dark. Not, not Blades and Dark itself. Blades and Dark is here a novel about our setting. Blades in the Dark is a traditional game. Um, (laughs) at least in structure. Um, I pulled up Cartel. Oh, man. Cartel has... Cartel has... Cartel has, scrolling through it, a section on what is Cartel, and then a section on some history. um, Of Mexico, yeah. Of Mexico. um, Some sections on how it works, how to play a role-playing game, how to play diverse characters, safety mechanics, and then it goes into stuff about the history of Mexico, stuff about the history of the cartels, um the modern era with some suggestions of settings um some specific names some people this is all lore right here that's all lore, from like page 20 like page 14 on it's lore and then we get back to game uh nope this is all still lore page 25 um so from about page 14 through page 30 cartel is lore okay. all up front and then but as opposed to like D and D would be like, but it's, here are it's your not pla- like mechanical lore. No, yeah. Some well, some of it is, but because because there's that the finer line there in PBTA than anything else. But if you, but like, oh, right? I just meant like it's not like these are boots of jumping. Yeah, it's like this is what yes, happened yes, yes, yes. when the Zetas um, um, switched but, over. But compared to something like D and D where it would be like, here are your races and your classes and stuff, and here's like the one paragraph that tells you a little bit about them, but really we're going to get to the mechanics. And if you want to read more about the history of elves, there's a splat book or something for that. Yeah, but there's also like half a page devoted to each god at some point. At some point, yeah. But usually after the mechanics that involve. So my oh, theory... Oh, I see. It's the- about My position. theory is it's about position. More PBTA story games are story and lore first, and then derive their and then, derive their mechanic. So it's it's a it's a sort of uh, display thing and also a design thing. They come up with their lore and then they display them, and then they come up they derive mechanics from the lore to, and so they they display them that way in the book versus. Uh, traditional games tend to come up with mechanics and derive lore from those mechanics. My God, so they display them the other way around. This thing wide open. I'm like looking back at my shelf behind me <laughs> and like looking at the books and going like, yeah, that does lore first. That does lore first. That does lore first. And something like black hack that sits in the middle does a little bit of both. <laughs> well, all the way through, but it doesn't, it, it has zero paragraphs. Yeah. But its lore, lore is given to you in the tables. Like. In table form, yeah. I think it I think it honestly does have zero paragraphs of lore. That's probably true, yeah. But it, admittedly, this is a an exceptionally strange game that I've seen people argue really hard about what it is. It has It has one page that is a description of play. Which arguably, you might be able to make an argument that it's lore. 
Do the monsters have any lore in them? Uh, I don't think so because there's like random tables for the monsters. Because I think it's just tables, right? Yeah. I the think closest th- is the pictures. There are so few paragraphs. Yeah. Interesting. <sighs> Could you write a PBTA game that had no paragraphs of lore? Okay, so so I mean, here's where Indian OSR are so close together. Is there are people that play PBTA games just off the playbooks and the mm-hmm. and the basic moves. And like your goal should be if you're writing a PBTA game for that to be feasible and fun. Uh wait, hang on. Sorry. <laughs> so I found in these monster sections there are there is there are brief brief paragraphs of lore. Okay. And the first, the first sentence in this paragraph on banished elves is a race of boneless subterranean spider-worshipping elves. They are boneless? <laughs> yeah, James. What's so hard to understand about that? Why don't they have bones? <laughs> I don't like that. I want them to have bones. Why, why would they have bones? Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, so there's a little bit. Once you get into the monsters, okay, there yeah, are you're right. Very, that is, very short paragraphs of, of that of is lore. two sentences of lore. Yeah, for one to two sentences of lore for each monster, it appears. I love. Oh my god! For demons, so, it's just demons have have names just as we do. I love just as we do. <laughs> like, like what? What does that mean? <laughs> Why would you have assumed that I didn't think demons had names? That speaks so much, just as we do. Oh my god! Oh wait, there is another sentence further up. Uh, Forged from malice and wicked glee, demons are summoned from the ever-changing void, torn from their nefarious purposes to languish in temporary and horrific prisons. I love the implication that we would not assume that demons had names. (laughs) Yeah. So minimal lore. Interesting. Interesting. Where is your... Think about the games... If you were listening to this podcast, think about the games you've written. Think about where is your lore. Where is it in comparison to your game mechanics? God, I hate this, and I think it's right. Where is the lore in Passion de los Passiones? Before. I don't know. Well, I haven't finished, but I don't know where the lore is in, in A Space Between. It might be after. It might be after video arts. I mean, so, Mike, so actually... What, so that would be... That would suggest that it isn't right, because your game is not a traditional well, game. Well, okay, but, 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 uh, but... <laughs> it may be less like a traditional game. A Space Between might be an OSR game. Oh, because it might not Because it have. might just have... It might not have a ton of lore. I mean, that's not true. It has lore. It probably has lore. You know what? You probably have lore at the beginning, because you're gonna... Like, it'll be yeah. like... I you are going into thing. space. This is what your whole deal is. Yeah, that's and then lore. It's, that's the what beginning. are you going to be doing? So yeah. so yeah, never mind. I'm an indie. I'm an indie oh game designer. Once I finish it. It, it is kind of nice to know that we're indie game designers, despite yeah. the last like seven episodes of our podcast. Yep. I feel I can sleep tonight, actually, for the first time in, in three months. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that is what has lowered my stress knowing, in the past week. Knowing that week. my indie cred is is saved. <laughs> yeah, that's something that has been keeping me up since uh, mm-hmm. November fourth. <laughs> yeah, I've wondered if my indie cred is intact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I have a, a, a um hmm interesting this aliens game. 
I'm guessing that the lore is in the back. Oh wait, except it's a okay. It's so then, right so then this, this, but this is all lore. It isn't about lore. Lore is not what determines <laughs> what kind of a game it is. Is really what it comes down to. <laughs> wait, are you saying that what we've talked about for the last fifteen minutes is all bullshit? It's useless. Yeah, yeah, because traditional games are have like an established uh have like a system that is like t- tends to be a overarching system they tend to have like various player options that you choose and it tends to be a gameplay loop that it's like go fight things level up done yeah like masks you select a, a class you choose from some options you go fight things you level up and you're done I think it's. I think it's. You know, not... I'm done with games. I'm just done with <laughs> games. I was joking earlier that I'm going to stop doing all of my projects and just play Phasmophobia, and that is exactly what I'm going to do. I think that it isn't where the lore is in the book. I think it is where is the lore in relation to the game design. Did you yeah. do the game design mechanically first? Like there is no way on earth that the, like this I mean, because like because I know for a fact that the Alien game is based off of another game that was designed previously. So it's yeah. running on another game's engine. And so yeah. like they definitely designed the mechanics first and then went back and shoehorned the lore on top of it. And it fits well and it's a good game because of that. But Yeah. Let's just um before we uh, decide that we're not going to make this podcast uh, or play uh, tabletop just, games ever again. Just play Smaz- Phasmophobia. Why don't we just uh, stop? Hunt. Stop this podcast at least for the for this. Let's wrap up this episode. Uh, okay. Before we destroy more of the world. Yeah. Um, I'm Zach Bagans. Who? What? How do we? How do we end this? Um. <laughs> there are things in this world that we'll never truly understand. Do you not watch Ghost Adventures? No, I don't. Not in a while. It's a sad October. It's a sad October. I'm you sorry. Are. I've been too busy watching every episode of Star Trek I can get my hands on, so... It's not very spooky, James. It's not very spooky. It is very horny, but it's not very spooky. So, if you have written a game, tell us, in your game book, is the lore first, or are the mechanics first? And I will tell you if you are an indie game designer. You can tweet at us at Stop, Hack, and Roll, or individually... I am at the end of the meltdowns. But if you want to be told whether or not you're an indie game designer, tweet us at Stop Back and Roll. Uh, if you are worried that we have stopped being an indie game design podcast, I uh, do want to just say James and I have been talking about starting a project that we do on the podcast and like really try to have a product come out of it that's like a more long form thing because we've been doing a lot of little, what if we did this? What if we did this? As opposed to like a longer form creation because both of us have had our own project we've been working on. So we're working on a collab. Uh, if you have I- ideas or thoughts on those, I guess let us know also. Yeah. Uh, I can be found individually at Leon Gambetta. But next week, look out for that. No, it, we will not even mention the Black Hack. No. We probably will. You can find, all, probably, maybe. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, or at www.stopbackandroll.com. We make this podcast and all of our other podcasts with the support of our Patreon backers. I want to th- uh, say thank you to one of our new backers, Nicholas Rudy, as well as thank some of our old favorites like Anthony Thibault, Refined Ersine, Megan Cross, Kettle and Clock, Terry Robinson, 
Aaron Olson, the You Trash Crew, Siobhan Gartland, and Spencer Austin. If you would like to help support our show financially, uh, you can check us out at patreon.com slash stophackandroll. If you can't support us financially, consider supporting our community by becoming part of it. Come tell us about the games you're working on and where the lore is. You can join our Discord at tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord or discord.stopbackandroll.com. So as you're throwing 7d4 onto a table to generate what table you should roll on next, don't forget to stop hacking.